2: 18 plus.
0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. Why? Because the Steelers have a game this weekend against the Philadelphia Eagles. It is going to be, well, it's going to be a game. That's all I can say. I don't know how excited anybody is for the fact that the Eagles are undefeated and KT Smith, you know, a lot of Eagles fans. This is my buddy. This is my co-host. This is the man when it comes to talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and getting ready for a game. It's the coach. What's up KT? Brian, I'm, I'm excited for the game. Ask me why. Tell me you going. I'm going, I'm going, oh, yeah. I'm excited. I would, I would love to go. I really want to go. Now here's a question before we do anything. I was on an Eagles podcast today and I asked the host, he said, Hey, anytime you going to come out, you know, we'll hook up. And I said, all right, what do I wear? Because I had always had this vision of me wearing just black in a jacket and not wearing Steelers gear, gear there. Are you going dressed in Steelers gear?
1: Yeah, it's not uh it's not the vet. So many of the so many of the uh legendary stories about how awful Eagles fans are come from Veterans Stadium and <laughs> you know they Throwing Cowboys fans, you know, down the, down the concrete steps and chucking snowballs at Santa Claus and cheering when Michael Irvin is laying there motionless on the uh, asphalt, which was basically what the uh, turf yeah. was back then, so... Uh, but you know, the link. the link is, yeah, there's, you still get rowdy Eagles fans, obviously like you do it at at any stadium and Philly will be especially juiced up now because the the Phillies are in the world series and everybody's jacked up about the way that went on. I mean, this, the town is electric right now, but, but it's not the same, you know, like there's a little, there's more corporate money and there's more, you know, like the high end, high end seat licenses and things like that. It's a little bit of a, of a different crowd
0: than it was back in the day. So that's awesome. I'm so glad you're getting to go. We might have to uh, do a little sh- call in from there, and you know, see what's going on and get your perspective from the game from the link. Yeah, I figured
1: I'd I'd have to do some kind of live thing, or you know, uh, write a column just about the experience there. Uh, I got. I do have to say this. I'm putting a a really important streak on the line. I I've been to seven. Steelers games in my life five five in Pittsburgh and two on the road and the Steelers are seven and oh in the games I've attended so wow that's fantastic yeah but you know this it's a little a little dicey on this one here
0: well you, you never know you know a uh the sun shines on a dog's butt every once in a while so who, kn- <laughs> who who knows what's going on in Philly now you were not you were born in the 70s correct and if not very late in the 60s
1: yeah, 19, 1970.
0: 70, that's what I thought. So you were negative five the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers won in the city of brotherly love. Mm. That also does not bode well for my, my undefeated <laughs> streak. A streak's going to end sometimes. It's yeah. 57 years. Now we've got to talk about this. And this is what we're going to talk about in the second half. How the Steelers are going to break that streak. Right. And if it's possible, but first let's go back in time. Let's go back uh, four or five days to Sunday night in Miami, and talk about what happened. Where did all go wrong, Kevin Smith?
1: Well, the Steelers buried themselves early with a bad first quarter. Uh, I thought that you know the defensive game plan. You can you can certainly understand what they're trying to do. They their defensive game plan out of the gate was to to back off, play soft zone. Uh, keep everything in front of them, you know, not let Miami speed uh, do them in. They they didn't want to get run by in short. And, uh, and so they played a real, real soft zone and, um, and Miami did a really nice job scheming for it. They seemed to anticipate it. They had a great opening drive where they really just went right down the field, running a series of uh, quick seams, slants, RPOs that just took advantage of all the space the Steelers were giving them. And uh, you know, it really took till the till early in the second quarter when the Steelers were down 13, nothing for them to, to adjust. And once they did, they played great on defense. I mean, the last two and a half, almost three quarters, they really shut Miami down. They really, they, they came to the, to the line uh, with their, with their corners and they, they played press coverage and they made, they made Tua throw the ball over tops of their heads and, and into tight windows and coming off his, he'd been out for a couple of weeks with a concussion and and he he couldn't do it. So they made his life harder and, and then offensively, you know, I I think that they they just couldn't sustain drives. I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's a old story really for the Steelers. And when they did sustain them, they couldn't finish them. You have the you have that that lull really in the in the third quarter, uh where they just have to, you know, punt the ball a bunch of times and then they put together two nice drives in the fourth quarter that they can't finish because they both end in Kenny Pickett interceptions, but really the undoing or mistakes that the Steelers make, you know, the interceptions just, just kind of Finalized the drives, but they're there the Steelers had done themselves in previously on those drives with self-inflicted wounds. So you know that that's an old story. I mean, uh, you know, that they, they they couldn't really kind of sustain things on offense. But uh I thought the defensive adjustments were great. Uh, I just wish they'd come a little
0: sooner. There's plenty of blame to go around, and I want to talk about that, but I took some heat from a few people, even a BTSC. I thought Shannon White was gonna kill me on uh, the hangover when I said, you know, most of the blame on offense, I'm going to put on Kenny Pickett. And the reason why is because he was not able to close that game out. Now I understand he is a rookie and I think he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And we forget that Peyton Manning was three and 13 with 28 interceptions his first year. You've got to experience stuff on this level. And my main ass- assertion here is the fact that Kenny Pickett, in his head, he even said it, I wanted to run there. But he stopped, and he knew what he was supposed to do was throw the ball in that situation. And he kind of forced it, and he let the clock and the moment get in his head there. But I don't think that'll happen again. But in that moment, that's what that's what I think happened. Mm. Tell me I'm right or wrong. Yeah, I, I, th-
1: I mean, I'll push back a little bit. On all that. I do, I do think you're right in the sense that inevitably it's up to him to take care of the football and he hasn't done a good enough job of that. He's got seven interceptions uh, in, in just three starts and that that's no good. Um, But you look at those two drives and the first one, the one prior to the one you just referenced, the Steelers have a third and one uh, from the 15-yard line and they run a quarterback sneak and Pickett picks up the first down. They're going to have first and 10 from the 14. But they get flagged for an illegal shift because the line just doesn't get set. I mean, that it, that's just such a sloppy, lazy penalty. The line doesn't, isn't set and there's a man in motion. And so you have an illegal shift and then you get a holding penalty on the very next play. So instead of first and 10 at the, at the 14 they they have third and 16 at the four at the 30 and, you know, Miami falls back into a, into a protect the sticks defense and pick Pickett tries to make a play. Uh, and forces a ball in there to uh, Deontay Johnson, who's running the deep pitch on what was a really uh, uh, just uncreative play call by Matt Canada. I mean, he had four receivers just run to the sticks and turn around. I mean, with Miami just blanketing the sticks, I just thought that's a terrible play call. And, you know, Pickett got fooled. It looked like cover two pre-snap and Miami rotated into a cover three and the safety who picked it was the guy coming out of the sky to drop down. So they did a, a nice job, but and again, that's, a you know, the throws on him, but, but everything leading up to the throw is a, is you know, a team failure. And then on the, on the last one that you referenced, he, he definitely should have run the ball. He had, he had green grass in front of him. He could have scrambled for 10 or 12 yards and still had time to get up and spike the ball. And they would have had two shots at the end zone from about the 15. And that's what he should have done. But he said, you know, they were in a scramble drill and Deontay Johnson's working across the field. And in, in a scramble drill like that, Johnson's come back to the ball and, Pickett told reporters after the game he thought Johnson was going to come back and Johnson went vertical instead. So that's a miscommunication there. Um they just, you know, probably haven't had enough reps between those two guys. But but realistically speaking, if you're if you're working a uh, a legitimate scramble drill, then Johnson's got to come back to the quarterback there and 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 not run to the back of the end zone. So I, you know, I got to have a mixed bag there. Some of it's on Kenny, but his teammates contributed as well.
0: Yes. And I have no problem saying that. That's why I said there's plenty of blame to go around in this game. And I definitely agree with you on that. You know, I thought it was unimaginable, uh, unimaginative calling, play calling from Canada. And I agree with you completely. I like the way that you put it as well. I just thought that if anybody's going to be hard on themselves it's going to be Kenny Pickett and it's not later year Ben Roethlisberger late in his career when he just took the blame just because you knew he wasn't serious about it Kenny Pickett will put the blame on himself and and he will work forever to fix it so that's the kind of guy that he is
1: I agree I think one thing Kenny Pickett's learning is that some of the plays he used to be able to make in college he can't in the NFL because it's just too fast I think that he sees things that uh, were college open, and then the window closes really fast in the NFL. And some of those, that's thats what led to some of the mistakes that he's made. And, and he'll learn, I mean, he, again, he is in the infancy of his NFL career and has already done some really, really good things. And the thing that seems to be the most challenging for him right now is understanding what what's NFL open uh, as opposed to what was college open
0: and and being more careful with the football um, in those situations, is that the same thing in the high school game? You have an eighth grader coming up. He's in eighth grade. He's the king of the hill. He comes in as a freshman, or if he doesn't come in until he's a sophomore, but you've got to have time to adjust to the speed of the new game.
1: You know, it's funny. I mean, most, most eighth grade quarterbacks don't know much about the passing game at all. So, and that's actually a good thing because you don't have to break them of, of bad habits. You can sort of teach them from scratch. You know where it's really evident is with running backs because the junior league running backs, they just want to take everything outside, you know, because that's where all the space is in junior league football. You go to the edge, nobody blocks real well in the junior league. So the the middle is always just a big muddled picture. And then, so they want to bounce it outside. And a lot of the good eighth grade backs can, can get to the edge, but then they do it as, as 10th graders on the varsity and those, you know, the those those touchdown runs in eighth grade become one yard losses in high school as the <laughs> you know, as the as the alley players and the safeties run you down. So you have to teach guys how to run between the
0: tackles, and that that's a that's a big challenge. That's really interesting. So let's talk about the biggest problems for the offense. There weren't that many. They uh I thought the play calling was the most egregious, and I know I I keep on uh in fact I get a little crazy even more and more each week, but I thought there's a lot of improvement in a lot of places on that offense, especially chase Claypool. I think chase Claypool is playing so much better. You have Friermuth looking like a man. What was he seven for seven? But I think you need to throw, throw to him double and you're just not, and you're doing it a lot later than, than usual. So you had a, you have some really good things going on with that offense, the offensive lines looking better. Kenny does not look like he's lost out there. Kenny looks like he's putting it together. So feel pretty good about the offense. Where are you with the offense, Katie?
1: They're improving for sure. The offensive line is certainly improving. They they, Pickett had a lot of time to throw, and I think one of the weaknesses with the offense against Miami was that he's not used to having that time to throw, and he was checking the ball down pretty fast. And I did, you know, when I, I wrote write an article for the for recapping each each week that usually comes out on Tuesday and I and I write that article before I have a chance to see the all 22 film and when I got a look at the all 22 this week you really do see that if he had held the ball a little bit longer and hung in the pocket a little more there were some things that were coming open later on down the field uh, which maybe you know could have helped the Steelers push the ball a little bit more Uh, he was checking the ball down a lot getting it out of his hand uh, quickly. And Miami's a fast defense. And so a lot of those turned into short completions. The Steelers had one drive in the second half where they had second and four, and they completed two passes to Najee Harris and had to punt because <laughs> they couldn't gain four yards cumulatively on those two check downs. It was like a, a one and a two yard gain. So that's my thing really with the offense, the, uh, the next step for the offense that now, that you know, the offensive line is getting better for sure. The run game is slowly getting better. Um, the next step is for them just to be able to start, start to develop the middle of the field and intermediate passing game. You know, I mean, everybody wants them to throw deep balls, but when you, when you, when you look at the all 22 against the dolphins, there just, there just wasn't a lot there. You, the dolphins uh, were, were taking that away. Uh, they were not letting Pittsburgh receivers get over top on them, but the intermediate zones were open. So that's really where I think the Steelers have some potential to make some big plays, not, not by throwing the ball over the heads of the defenders. I mean, it's the NFL. How, how often do you really see receivers just be able to run by coverage guys on defense? Uh, but I do think that the Steelers have some run, run after the catch possibilities in the middle of the field. If you can get George Pickens, uh, you know, catching the ball on the move in the middle of the field or chase Claypool on the move in the middle of the field, man, those guys are are tough to bring down and they're fast and, you know, I think that's where the Steelers really have to kind of dig in and say, let's let's see if we can create explosive plays in the intermediate zones.
0: Absolutely. Let's turn over to the defense real quick. And it's simple. They came late to the party. The offense came late to the party, too. But the defense came way too late to this game. And then they then they hunkered down. And you alluded to this before. They look pretty good. But four dropped interceptions. I know we're gonna harp on that. Yeah, we cannot. We cannot not, KT. What about those dropped interceptions? How do you fix that? And is the fact that Ike Taylor's now a scout, like Shannon White says, is is that seeping into the? Is is he going to the locker room and telling them how to drop balls?
1: I don't know. You you always hear that like if these guys could catch the ball, they'd be receivers. But uh, you know, I'll start with a positive real quick. I thought I thought the Steelers tackled better against Miami than they have all season. I was really impressed with their open field tackling. On those really athletic Miami skill players, and uh, and that really helped them get off the field. You know, they got up in the faces of the receivers, they made them uncomfortable, and when they caught the ball, they got them on the ground, and that was that was excellent to see. Um, but yeah, you're right, Brian. The the interceptions. I mean, the one the one Cam Sutton drops before halftime. I you, you couldn't have walked the ball out there and, and and hand it to him in a better spot, uh, and he doesn't hold on, and that one becomes really costly because. Miami kicks a field goal right before half, so there's three points you squander, and then Terrell Edmonds drops one in the second half that would have set the Steelers up with a ball around Miami's 30. Uh, Levi Wallace drops a couple. I mean, it just uh, you know it takes away from some of the really good things that that those guys did. In most football games are won on a handful of plays that don't really show up in the box score. I mean, it, there's always when you go back and you look at film, there's just always these moments where it's like oh man if we had made this block that's a touchdown or if we had you know like done this executed this scheme properly we we stopped them instead of them getting a first down and converting it into points etc so while the box score plays are the obvious things it's it's the it's the hidden stuff that has just as much of an impact on games and those those dropped interceptions that qualify in that category
0: they absolutely do and we got to leave those dropped interceptions in the past and we've got to figure out how the Pittsburgh Steelers can go ahead and actually win this game for the first time in Philadelphia in 57 years. So that's next. So stick around, you need to be right here on here we go. You know what it is, Kevin? It's the Steelers pregame show on behind the steel curtain. <laughs> No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18
2: plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen.
0: And there I am on the subway train. Girls I Pittsburgh Steelers are two and five. The Philadelphia Eagles have not lost a single game in 2022 these are two teams seemingly going in separate directions the odds seem to be against the Steelers everywhere you look especially in the fact that they have not won in Philadelphia since 1965 but we have got to hope that one Kevin Thatcher Smith could bring the mojo to the link for the visiting Pittsburgh Steelers Kevin how are the Steelers going to go ahead and show up and actually find a way to break the streak and find a win. Hmm.
1: That is a stumper. Uh, Philly's pretty good. Uh, and and they're good in an area where the Steelers are struggling, which is, which is up front on both sides of the ball. I mean, I, I really admire the way that Philadelphia has rebuilt their team after winning the Super Bowl back in 2017. Uh, a lot of those guys departed. And, you know, the Eagles had sort of, you know, to kind of, it wasn't a complete overhaul. They still have some guys remaining, but, but they, you know, they had, they got a little long in the tooth in some areas, especially up front. And they made a huge investment in their offensive and defensive lines. And you look at the, at at some of the guys uh, up there uh i mean kelsey one of the best centers in the nfl he, he's a holdover he's been around as is lane johnson but i mean um you know the left guard landon dickerson man i he was a huge draft crush of mine a couple of years ago i really wanted the steelers to take him and he has been an absolute beast he lead, somebody keeps track of this i don't know who it does but who does it but he leads the league in pancake blocks and he had 11 yeah. of them a couple of weeks ago 11 and the, somebody on twitter had a uh just a highlight reel of him pancaking people it looked like uh it looked like, a, it looked like you know, like a pro professional guy, mauling high school kids. He was just flattening guys Uh, And they, you know, on the defense, like an all-star group, they got Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. And then they drafted Jordan Davis, who a lot of Steelers fans were, you know, you really wanted, they got Josh Sweat. And then they just, the other day, they traded for Robert Quinn who had 18 sacks last year in Chicago. And they got him for like a bag of peanuts. I mean, Chicago paid the Eagles is paying $7 million of, of Robert Quinn's salary. Uh, this season for a fourth round in exchange for a fourth round pick. So, I mean, Philly's really good up front on on both sides of the ball. So, honestly, I think the key to victory for the Steelers is they they have to be able to just kind of hold the mud in the trenches. I mean, they, they can't get knocked off the football. They can't let Philly get a run game going, uh, which, you know, once they do that, then that really sets up a lot of what they want to do with Jalen Hurts, who's another guy that I loved for, for the Steelers a couple of years back. I just thought he'd be a great fit. In Pittsburgh, um, and he's doing some really good things in Philly. But you know, when Philly can run the ball and let Hertz get his RPO game going and his play action game going and boot and get out of the pocket, they're pretty good. So I think that I think this success for the Steelers really starts with their run defense.
0: I kind of agree with that, and I definitely think that this is a team that although they're good. They don't have the the great the, the fantastic running game that you've actually seen with the Eagles maybe 10-15 years ago. I I think there's a way that they can shut this team down. And who on the in the running game besides Hertz? You know, he's always a threat to run. Who do you worry about in that backfield?
1: Well, they have, they use all three of their backs, the Miles Sanders is their main guy. Uh, he's a good tough between the tackles runner, but then they got some two, two very good change of pace backs in, in uh, Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. Scott's a little guy. He's like five foot seven, but he's kind of a Darren Sproles type back and Gainwell's a good third down back where he gets out on the, on the edge and can catch the ball and he has got some speed. So they can hit you in a bunch of different ways, but like Matt Canada does, they, they incorporate their wide receivers. They'll, they'll run Devonta Smith, the speedster from Alabama on some jet sweeps and, and they'll you run the run the read option game with Hertz, he'll pull the ball and and, and go. Um, and then you know you, they're gonna force you to bring safeties down into the box, and then you're gonna have to single up on the outside where AJ AJ Brown, their big free agent signing, is kind of a bully. Uh, and they got a good tight end in Dallas Goddard. So, I mean, the Steelers are gonna have to hold up in man coverage, they're gonna have to play some man if they fall back, if they play too high zone, the Philly will run it down their throat. So they're gonna have to find a way to get, get a safety in the box as the extra defender, and then just hope that they can, they can hold up in man coverage,
0: especially against uh, Brown and Goddard. Absolutely. So that's going to be a tough task. Having Minka and Edmonds back there together. It seems like everybody in the defensive backfield with the exception of Levi Wallace are probably ready to go. So it looks like you have most of the defense back on this team Except for one guy, and you talked about the trenches, and I'm worried about Larry Ogunjobi. With Ogunjobi, Ogunjobi's been a bully quite a bit this year. And I think more and more Sealer fans are starting to love this guy. But he had a couple DNPs this week. So not having Ogunjobi, what does that do for you?
1: Yeah, the one thing that that we've seen out of him the last couple of weeks is the Steelers, he's really good when the Steelers move him when he slants and pinches and tries to get into the backfield and uh, you know, a couple of big plays that have been made the, uh, the last few weeks has have been because ogan Joby's just beaten down blocks into the backfield. He had, a, he had a huge one against Tampa Bay two weeks ago on a second and goal from the one yard line where he knifed through uh, the B gap and, and was able to make a tackle on the backfield, pushed the Buccaneers back to the four yard line. And they wound up having to kick a field goal. And we saw a similar play uh, against, against Miami on Sunday night from him. So so they lose a little bit of that ability to to penetrate and have a quick penetrator. Um, Isaiah Loudermilk has, is, you know, got more reps last week and he's probably going to take some of those reps. Uh, I think Montrevis Adams can do a little bit of that, but he's not really an every down guy. So it'll have to be a committee approach and you just hope that Loudermilk can hold up.
0: Let's go to the offensive side of the ball for the Steelers. What does Kenny Pickett need to do? And even further, how does Matt Canada need to drop this game? Yeah,
1: I think well, you know, Philly again, man. Their defensive front is is very good. Um, it's going to be some tough sledding trying to run the football. But Canada's got to get creative on first downs. He can't fall into a pattern where he just says to himself, "All right, I'm going to establish the run. We're going to run for the sake of running the ball," and then put himself in a lot of second and nines. You know, what I mean, the Steelers are going to have to find a way to be good on first down. I think that that's if I'm Matt Canada, I'm spending a ton of time scripting against the Philly defense on first down. I'm going through all the film and I'm looking at all the first down plays uh, that opponents have run against the Eagles this year. And I'm saying to myself, you know, what, what, what have some other teams had success with on first down to give them manageable second downs? Because if you get in second and long uh, then Philly, you know, they've got a real good secondary. They got some very good athletes. They'll, they'll, they'll man you up and then they'll start to, uh, bring the blitz and and get creative with with their uh, their schemes. Um, but if you can get into manageable second down situations, you can kind of exploit their linebackers. I think the weakness of their defense is their linebacking core, and I think there's some great opportunities for Pat Fryermuth uh, to get matched up against some of those guys or for the Steelers to sort of exploit the middle of the field. I mean, this is really a week where, where you want to throw the ball in the middle of the field because, again, you know Philly's pretty good on the outside with with Darius Slay and, and James Bradbury as their corners. Um, but there's opportunities to sort of get the ball into the middle of the field off of play action. The, the backers are, are aggressive. They can get out of position. And, uh, you know, Canada's got to find it, man. He just hasn't been able to do that or, or he's been unwilling to do it. He's got to let Pickett take some chances in the middle of the field. I wish you were Matt Canada. Uh, it's easy to talk about. You know, it's a lot harder <laughs> to do it. So I, mean, I get uh, it,
0: but I don't think your team goes run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Everybody in the building, everybody knows that that's going to happen. Run, run, pass, run, run, pass. <laughs> it drives it, it, me crazy. It is frustrating.
1: It, it's frustrating because sometimes you think I get what he wants to do. He wants to establish the run. He wants to, uh, you know, take pressure off the shoulders of his quarterback. But when the run game is consistently producing second and nine, second and eight, you're doing the opposite. You're putting more pressure on your quarterback. So, so that's just an, an area where I think he's got to improve as a coordinator. He's got to be better on uh, early downs.
0: Absolutely. So Kevin, what kind of chance? Is there any chance that they win this game?
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's always a chance. I mean, you could get, you could catch Philly, Uh, you know, kind of looking at the schedule a little bit, I mean, they, they, uh, have had a a fairly tough slate of opponents and, you know, they, they got a a Thursday night game against Houston, uh, the following week. So, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're doing some dual preparation, which is something I know NFL teams do. Um, you know, they might have, you know, one eye on the Steelers and one eye on Houston, who's again, not a very good team either. And they might say, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to game plan for both of them. Um. I mean, you know, you never know it's the NFL. these guys are all professionals. The Steelers have done some really good things at times this season. They've played some good opponents, tough. Um, you know, and I guess I'm, I'm I'm kind of reaching a little bit because I, I I fear as though against their cross state rivals who you know the, the from the Eagles perspective, they're, they're taking on their cross state ri- rivals who they've always kind of felt like the little brother to, the, the city's all geeked up because the Phillies are in the, the world series. And uh, you just kind of hope that that wave of momentum uh, doesn't sort of, you know, isn't like a tidal wave that just washes over the Steelers.
0: Do we get a dude of the week?
1: Um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I got a couple of thoughts. I mean, who, who do you have? Do you have one? I don't. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I just, I thought, you know, uh, that the one I mean, one thought of the offensive line is, is coming along. And, and I was looking for, for some guys up front who I thought were improving, but as a unit, I said, you know, I, I thought that that might be a, a group to think about, but, uh, but then when I went back and I watched the all 22, man, you know, how to a, a heck of a football game against Miami was Terrell Edmonds. I don't think Terrell Edmonds yes, gets did. enough. I don't think he gets enough credit for, Uh, what he does, he's extremely valuable to this defense. He, he allows Minka Fitzpatrick to do a lot of different things, gives him the freedom to do those things because Terrell Edmonds can do a lot of things. He's, he's very good in coverage on, on tight ends. Uh, But I thought his tackling was exceptional against Miami. And, and I think the defense kind of turned around when they, when, when they allowed him to get more aggressive. So uh, I would, I'd certainly nominate him as my dude of the week.
0: I will concur with that. I, I love it. I, I am a bigger fan of this guy each and every time I see him play. And I still, I, I know I say this ad nauseum. If this guy was a second round player, he'd be one of everybody's favorite players. But the fact that he went in the first round, we're, we're never going to forget that.
1: No. And it's going to be an interesting decision on him in the off season. I mean, he's, he's probably making himself some money right now. Uh, you know, given the fact the Steelers didn't pick up his option and, He's got, or I'm sorry, they signed him to a one-year deal, but uh he might have an opportunity to to you know you know make some, some more money elsewhere,
0: and that would be a big loss. It's very odd to have I don't know if this has ever happened, it may have, but it's very odd to have two number one picks at the same position in the same draft.
1: Right. And then I don't know where Kate Kazee went. He was not a number one pick, but he's coming back this week. Yes. And that gives the Steelers three, three very good safeties. And I I was I early in this in the preseason, I was really excited to see the Steelers roll out a three safety package on defense. And I don't know if they'll be ready to do it with Kazi this week, but uh but I'm curious to see what it looks like when they do it.
0: Well, I know he has been in practice, so that's that does a whole lot. You know, TJ Watts back in practice. You're not gonna see him until after the bye, but he's there, he's getting back into shape. So that seems pretty good, Kevin. You enjoy yourself at the game. I cannot wait to hear all about it. I would love to find a ticket and be out there with you. That is going to be a lot of fun. Let's take take the Mojo KT. Hey man, I'm trying to get to 8-0. Trying to get
1: to 8-0. With my Steelers uh, in my my fandom here my live career. So I we're up against it, but you never know. Stranger things have happened.
0: If anybody can do it, you can. So enjoy <laughs> the game. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Make sure you check out all the great shows on behind the We had a great what Eden's talking about yesterday. Also, Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman is always just fantastic. Lots of great stuff this weekend. Tony Defio's back. You've got the crew from down under. Yes, Matty Peverell and Mark Davison with touchdown under. You've got the NS, the AF, I can't even speak the AFC North crew. And Kevin Tate with We Run the North. Daniel Daniel J is in here, too, as well we stayed with State of the Steelers. And don't forget, right before the game, you're going to get last second, excuse me, last minute thoughts from one Dave Schofield. It's all a part of the BTSC family of podcasts. And I just got to remind you this. We'll be here next week. Hopefully, we will be talking about the Steelers going into their bye with you know some momentum after beating philadelphia that's that's the dream but in the meantime you've got to do this kevin you've got to keep your feet on the ground and you've got to do something with it Uh, i keep
1: reaching for those hypocycloids. you got
0: it
2: 18 plus.